0: In our world, there will always be fires that are going off, but how you manage them, make sure people are trained, they know the expectations, and then I will judge them on the results. From Tallahassee to the Keys and everywhere in between, this is Education Elevated on the FLCMAA Podcast Network. It's not just in your head. Growing demands on your time undermine your strengths as a leader. Gain an understanding on the importance of managing distractions and workplace stress in this talk from Ken Ockel. Could a bad lunch teach you an important lesson about success? The time was high school. My friends and I, we are hungry. But we're also a little excited because a brand new buffet place has just opened up in town. It is called 456 Buffet. That was the price. $4.56. We pile into a used car, we drive on over, we're going 4-5-6, 4-5-6. When we walk in, place smells a little musty. Huh. Now today I would have turned around and gone somewhere else. But back then, Young and hungry. So we go inside and we, we do what you do at a buffet, where you, you grab a tray and you load it up with a whole bunch of plates. And then we start to eat. And, uh, oh, ooh, uh, this food was not good. This was basically like reheated leftovers. No flavor, no taste. I'm saying, okay, I'm not going back to four, five, six again. But then I see my friend, Mike. Different story. Now, I should tell you a little bit about Mike. Mike is a good buddy of mine, but he's kind of a low-energy type of person. You know, he's always walking around hunched over like he's got a cloud on his head, and you could always hear him coming because he wore these big basketball shoes, and he never tied the laces, so the shoes would just kind of be going clomp, clomp, clomp as he's walking along. Well, Mike, the guy who we associate with moving kind of slow is tearing through this food like there's no tomorrow. It's as if There are two forks and one smooth motion. Well, before long, Mike finishes his plates, stands up with his tray, and he says something I'll never forget. He goes, this food stinks. I'm going to go get some more. And he walks away, clomp, 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 clomp. So, let's think about what Mike said. This food stinks. I'm going to get some more. How many of us in our lives have kind of said that same thing where we're doing something that's not really getting the results that we want, but we keep doing it because it's comfortable or convenient? Well, what if there was a better way? Good morning, I'm Ken. We are gonna have an experience this morning as I discuss some ways that you will be able to become more productive on the job and hopefully reduce the amount of stress that you have and even perhaps the amount of stress that you are taking home at the end of the day. First, I wanna congratulate your association on 70 years. That's quite an accomplishment. I mean, just think back to 1949. Could you imagine your founder sitting in a room, could they imagine this room here today at such a beautiful property, full of some of the best in the business committed to getting even better that's impressive i also want to salute your sponsors everyone else involved in making this event happen as someone who stands outside of your industry i can honestly say we need you your members and guests need you to be great because they are working for a whole year or a whole lifetime just to spend some time with you. They are climbing that mountain of success and when they reach the top, you're there and you're saying, hi, let me show you the view. Whether it's a fun activity like playing golf or maybe it's something like just having a chance to reconnect with family and friends or perhaps it's that new home that feels like home from day one, that is what you do. you are good, you're versatile, you're able to keep up with all those requests, but sometimes, there's a downside. Because you start to, when you're versatile, you start to get a little bit worn down over time. And maybe, even if you have the coolest job in the world, you start walking around and you're like, oh, I hate Mondays. And maybe, by the end of that week, you're like this little girl, And you're saying, even my hair is tired. That's the world sometimes when you're a high performer. And sometimes I've found that experience is a great teacher, but over time we forget things. We get busy, and we forget some of those important lessons that we've learned along the way. You know, sometimes in those first jobs, you learn something important. Something that's outside the job, but it's something that defines your success. I want to take you on a quick little trip Through my career, and some of those lessons that I have learned that really define who I am today. The first one, television news. Deadlines. It's all about the deadlines. So what did I do in news? Well, I was a reporter, I was a news anchor, and I was also a weatherman. Okay, let me see if I still got it, okay? Over the next 24 hours, the jet stream is going to dip down into our region. That cooler flow of Arctic air could create a chance of a shower or a thunderstorm, so you might want to bring an umbrella with you on the way to work or school. Huh? Still got it! Yeah! (laughs) News is a lot of fun, but you are constantly under deadline stress and pressure because the story has to air when it is supposed to air. They're not going to move around that time at all. Those times are Fixed so I learned that in order to reach that deadline You got to get creative you got to figure out a way to make it happen It may not be perfect, but you make sure that the story gets done deadlines from that lesson then The next stop no one necessarily sees coming I Was the executive director of a professional ballet company. I know this body says Modern dance. I was the executive director of a ballet company, so I'm running the, the business operations, the financial side, the marketing, and I was brought in with the understanding is, hey, take something good and make it into something great. Sounds good, rock on, let's do it. But sometimes have you ever found yourself in a situation where you're like, oh, things have changed and this isn't exactly what I signed up for? Because for me, this was right as the recession was hitting. And Bernie Madoff was taking money from donors. And suddenly, while I had a $4 million budget, I only had about 2.5. So keeping the doors open and the dancers dancing and the, the patrons happy and our ballet students still able to attend class was a daily struggle. So there I came up with a phrase I call, get to tomorrow. Because sometimes you're gonna be in a situation where you are faced with a big challenge. And there's not gonna be a quick solution that you're gonna have. You're gonna to have to work on this and make incremental progress over time, little bits. Some days it may feel like you're hardly moving, but you gotta keep moving towards a goal because you got a whole bunch of people who are counting on you. So that lesson, get to tomorrow. And then I also learned about something I'll call the power of people. You remember uh, 12, 13 years ago, Florida got hit by a bunch of storms. Francis, Jean, then Wilma, southeast coast of Florida. These were big storms. I get a little verklempt. These were big storms that hit our area. I was in charge of a hurricane relief site where basically we're passing out the food, the water, the ice, the things that people need. This was not my regular job. Sometimes in life, you're voluntold to do things. So let me run through what is involved in this job. After the storm, the next day, I would show up to a giant parking lot. There's nothing there. At some point in time, supplies will arrive. Don't know when. At some point in time, volunteers are gonna come in. Now, I don't know how many of them are gonna come. It could be 50, it could be 100. They could range in age from, let's see, 16, to 81. Meanwhile, there is a huge line of cars of people waiting for these supplies. My job was to take all these people who had never done this work before and turn them into the ultimate pit crew where we could eventually service 10, 12 cars at a time. They would pull in, they would pop open their trunks, we would put the supplies in, we would get them out, and we'd be doing this all day long. The lesson there, the power of people, None of us can do it alone. You know, for me, I can only pick up so much, I can only help so much, but if I have a group that I can motivate towards a cause, that I can focus towards a goal, then I can be that much more effective. That was the lesson I took away from there, the power of people. You all have the ability to make people great. These talks are going to be interactive as well. So we are gonna hold what I call a Ken Ockel quiz. Now, a word about a Ken Ockel quiz. A Ken Ockel quiz is designed to make sure that you win and you'll have an opportunity to win an exciting prize. So, one question, multiple choice that I guarantee you will be able to win. Would someone like to volunteer to come up to take the Ken Ogle quiz that you cannot lose and will win a prize? Anyone? Perhaps one of our front row people. Come on up. Please, round of applause. I'm only in the front row because Oh, then I have to thank you. Come on up, come on up, Tina. All right, let me get my hands straight. All right, so Tina, first of all, introduce yourself to the group and who, what group you're with. Uh, Tina Letzi-Regler, I'm from the Elkridge Club in Baltimore, Maryland. Very good. Okay, so we have a quiz that is all about workplace environment. 2,000 people were surveyed and they were asked, what do you want to see most in your workplace? So I'm going to put up the four choices, which are on the screen. So. Tina, did they want to have natural light in the workplace? Did they want to have free food? Did they want to be able to focus without interruptions or did they want to have awesome Wi-Fi? Which one do you think it is? I would say C. What do you think audience, C? C is right, you won! I have an exciting prize for you. This is a copy of my book. Thank you. Tina, thank you so much. Round of applause for Tina. Thanks. There will be another quiz later, so you could see. This is a, a high-intensity experience. Let's talk about distractions, because I have found that distractions will rob you of your productive time, and they will limit your potential. We're gonna talk about a couple distractions this morning. The first one that I want to discuss is something I call acting like a firefighter. To illustrate this point, will you join me? As we walk into a firehouse and we look around and it's kind of open concept. So inside we see a couple firefighters are in the kitchen, a few are playing some games and some firefighters, well, they're, they're just watching TV. At this moment, The firefighters are able to do whatever they like. Their time is their own. But the moment, boop, 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 that alarm goes off, they have to drop everything and respond to that emergency with 100% focus. Whether it turns out to be something really serious, like a five-alarm fire, or something a little less serious, like a kitten caught in a tree. That is the life of a firefighter. And that's what we want them to do. But should we be acting like firefighters on the job? Probably not, but sometimes it's hard not to. Back when I was running that ballet company, there was a time when money was extremely tight, and I did not know how I was going to make my payroll. So I'm sitting at my desk, and I am surrounded with spreadsheets. And I'm trying to figure out how to do it. Out of the corner of my eye, I see Gail. She's coming towards my office. Now Gail, 4 foot 11, 62 years old, nice lady. But on this day, Gail is mad. She's got that look in her eyes. Her arms are going like this, her face is twisted in anger. And when she stomps in front of my desk, it was as if she was trying to dent the planet. She goes, Ken, we have too much toilet paper. What are you going to do about it? And then she storms away. <sighs> At that moment, I became a firefighter because I stopped everything that I was doing to investigate the toilet paper issue. Here's what I found. There was a shelf where we kept the toilet paper. And yes, the shelf was overflowing with toilet paper. There's too much toilet paper there. So what had happened? Well, we had been touring for the past week or so. We hadn't been in the office, less toilet paper usage. We continued to get our normal deliveries of paper products. As a result, we had too much toilet paper. Okay. So let's, uh, let's think about this. We could move some of that toilet paper to a different place, and perhaps we could cut the toilet paper delivery for the following month. These are relatively easy solutions. You know, not rocket science. But for that employee on that day, She thought that the most important thing that I needed to be doing was squeezing the Charmin. (laughs) So how do you stop from acting like a firefighter when all these little issues and emergencies come up? Well, the first thing, it's like a little dance that people come up with because they realize that other people are often the source of distractions. So if you could avoid them, you could probably get more done. Yeah. So you start to do this little dance where you come in early, you work through lunch and you stay late. And sure enough, you can get more done, but there's a downside because you're coming in early, you're staying late and you're working through lunch. And over time, you're going to start to burn out. So in this situation, I suggest only doing this for very short periods of time. Because if you keep doing it, that mental mileage is gonna add up and you're gonna start to burn out. So only do this for short amounts of time. What if we could create a little bit of a barrier in your schedule? So when you really need to focus, you can, and you're not getting interrupted with everything all at once. Who does that really well? University professors. They have this thing, called office hours. So during certain times of the day, let's say 12.30 to 2 o'clock, students can come in, they can visit with them, they can shoot the breeze. Whatever they need to do, the door is open. But once those office hours are over, professor's able to close the door and allow people, you know, they're on their own, they can focus on publishing, research, whatever he or she needs to do. So are you ever able to create a barrier where maybe for, let's say, just 30 minutes, Can you say, I'm not checking email. I'm not going to answer my phone. I'm just going to focus on this task. Or even, do you need to move to another location? Is there an open conference room where you can go where no one will necessarily know where you are? Will the world end if you give yourself 30 minutes to focus on some of those most important tasks? So keep that in mind for something else you can do. But let's go even bigger. Are people coming to you all the time with all these little issues simply because They don't know what to do. Well, if that is the case, then it's a training issue. This is a simple fix. Get them trained up, they're ready to go. But I gotta say, often, it's something else. Are they coming to you because they don't believe they're allowed to make a decision without your blessing? Now, I can be as much of a control freak as the next person. But I understand that if I have to touch everything and have that vice grip on everything, I'm not gonna get a lot done because there's only so many hours of the day and over time, my initiatives, they are going to suffer. So can I make sure people are trained? They know the expectations and then I will judge them on the results. In our world, there will always be fires that are going off but how you manage them That will help determine your success. Quick sip of water. Cheers. I also wanna talk to you about something I call acting like a babysitter. Do you ever find that you're having to repeatedly do the same thing with employees? Having to, to help them with something again and again and they don't seem to have much of a learning curve? That's what I call acting like a babysitter where you're never really progressing forward and it's taking a tremendous amount of your time. Sometimes this is okay. I go to a restaurant and often you'll see a young family nearby, parents, kids, and when the food comes out, it's the funniest thing to behold because the parents will grab the kids' plates and they kind of become like swordsmen because all of a sudden they're going automatically cutting all the food into smaller pieces. This is what we want to see. We want to make sure the kids don't choke on the food. They have little bite-sized pieces. Perfect. But sometimes, you know, mom and dad keep doing this and they never stop. So the kids are teenagers and they have never learned how to use a knife and a fork. So understand that it's good to help people along repeatedly, but at some point you gotta cut them off and say, you gotta be able to cut with your own knife and fork. So make sure that you are not babysitting people because over time that will become a drain on your productivity. As you can see, I get excited. Let's talk about stress at work. How do you handle stress at work? Today's world, something stressful can happen at any time. And when it does, you may have to suddenly switch from one thing To something totally different and when that happens you're expected to perform and to perform at a high level. Back when I was doing news I would experience this shift from time to time and perhaps never more so than on a relatively quiet May night. At the time my photographer and I we're covering a balloon festival for the 11 o'clock news. This is a fun story. We've got the beautiful balloons lighting up the evening sky. We've got fun people to interview. And as I'm writing the story, I'm thinking, hey, huh, this might be you know, something I put in for an award. This is going to be pretty good. But that story never gets told because the phone rang as I was writing the story in the news car. It's the station. Ken, Ken, we need you to go downtown. Just, just go. Well, what, what's happening? A police officer has just been shot. Just, just go. Okay, uh, Russ, we gotta we got pack up. We gotta we got go. Okay, so at that moment, we gotta say goodbye to that story. How do you handle stressful moments at work? For us, we had to say farewell to what was a cool story and start to cover a manhunt. We are trading those glowing balloons at night for the flashing blue and red lights of law enforcement. I start to find out some more information. Earlier that evening, a police officer does a routine traffic stop. A guy ran a red light, pulls the driver over. The driver of the car, he has several outstanding warrants. So he knows that if the officer runs his license, he will be arrested. He'll spend the night in jail. How do you handle stressful moments? Or for that officer, excuse me, for that man, the driver, he makes a really bad decision. As the police officer approaches, the man pulls out a gun, shoots the officer, and drives away. Leaving the officer bleeding on the pavement. How to handle stressful moments at work. For law enforcement, it's about two things. Training and dedication. Because as we're driving downtown, we start to notice police car after police car whizzing by us, 60, 70, 80 miles an hour, sirens blaring. Because how it works is when one officer is hurt, any officer from all over the state who could come and help with this manhunt, they're in. Over time, off the record, I start to learn there's a strategy involved with this manhunt. The police believe they know where this man is. So they've started to create a search zone. Think of it like a, like a rectangle they're gonna start blocking off streets and closing in. At one end of the rectangle, there's a command post, a temporary command post. So we figure that's where we need to go. Maybe get some video, perhaps an interview, something like that. So we head over there. It's different than any other crime scene I've ever seen. There's no police tape keeping us back. And the officers who are there, they're all busy, and it's as if, They don't even see us because they're so focused on the task at hand. So then we begin what's called a a waiting game. You're waiting as the search goes on. And then the radio goes off. A car matching the suspect is headed down the road, right down our street. Immediately, police officers draw their revolvers. They are aiming sharp shotguns. They are staring into the night, preparing for a firefight. At that moment, my photographer and I, we look at each other because we realize we're not really safe here. We, we don't have bulletproof vests on. We should probably get it in our news car and you know drive away or drive to the side a little bit where it's safer, but we can't. Because at this moment, Several officers are using our news car as a shield against potential gunfire. So, in a moment like this, you feel your heart beating and it's reverberating in your head. And eventually word comes, false alarm. And the waiting continues. And eventually we get word, after a couple hours, that the suspect has been arrested without incident. And the officer is in the hospital, and he is still alive. How do you handle stressful moments, especially those that happen to you at work? Well, from this story, it came down to a few things. When you have to make the switch, you gotta focus 100% on that new task. That story that we were covering was gonna be awesome, but we had to say goodbye to it. There'll be other stories we can cover like that at a different time. We had to focus 100%. It's about making smart decisions under pressure. That driver, he made a stupid decision that he would have to have with him for the rest of his life. And then for the officers, training and dedication, knowing procedures that you need to do to be successful, and having the commitment to do it. They know that their fellow officers have their back if something like that ever happens. So I ask you, when that moment arises, how do you handle those stressful moments at work? It's time for another quiz. I need to get another volunteer. Perhaps would one of our back row friends like to volunteer to take a Ken quiz that you cannot lose and will win a valuable prize? One of the folks from the back, how about our new new upcoming bride? (laughs) Would you come up to the front please? Now, just to review, this is a multiple-choice question. This one is about, oh, come on up. This one is about misunderstandings, the cost of misunderstandings. Here's there's a little mistake. First of all, Karen. Hi. So nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Where are you from? Uh, the club at Barefoot Beach, so we're on the other coast of Medina Springs. Give it up. And, Congratulations. Thank you. This pretty good deal. Nice place, good you're like, you like you know, you go to a conference, sometimes you get free soap. You got a ring. So fantastic. Okay. So we're talking about the cost of mistakes. So a few years ago There was a study that was done to figure out, okay, when someone makes a mistake where they they should have done inches, but instead they did centimeters, what's the cost of that mistake? What's the the price that you put on it? So there was a survey, a global survey that was done. So we have only three choices this time. I'm making it even easier for you, Karen. Okay, choice number one, the cost of mistakes, annual mistakes, $370 million dollars, Choice number two, B. $3.7 billion. Choice number three, $37 billion. Karen, which one do you think it is? A, B, or C. Well, audience, what do you think? C. Okay, Karen, what do you think? C. C? Audience, you think she's right? Yeah. Oh my god, she got it right! Karen, I want to give you a copy of my book. Most of all, I want to congratulate you, and I hope that you enjoy many years of professional success and personal happiness. Please, round of (laughs) applause. What's the source of a lot of these misunderstandings? Well, we're going to go over a few basic things that I've noticed. A lot relate to communication, and this leads to those mistakes that usually take a while to solve and they end up costing you a lot. The first one this is a simple one it's about listening. Years ago, I was working with a coworker, I was multitasking. Keep in mind, when I worked in TV news, I could have three conversations simultaneously. I was a multitasker's nightmare. Once someone said, hey, how does this sentence sound? And I wasn't totally paying attention. I said, well, I didn't really hear what you were saying, but it sounded pretty good to me. This is an example of not really listening. How many times has a mistake happened where someone wasn't paying attention, didn't hear in the moment what was being said? So in these cases, I try to keep it very simple. Really, when someone is talking, what you want to do, this is the athletic portion. you want to totally focus on that other person. You want to be locked in on them. In today's world, it's very tempting to, to look around or you know, we got our devices that are beeping and bopping and doing all this stuff, but when you are focused on that person, you're hearing what they're saying, you're in the moment, and you're not you know, waiting for you to speak, you're gonna have fewer mistakes. And also, there's a benefit as well, All those squats are paying off at the gym. There's another benefit as well. Each and every one of us has that desire to be heard. Because no matter what we are saying to other people, we think that what we're saying is very important. So when you honor those people with, you know, what I call like the gift of your attention, you're gonna go up in their estimation. Members, guests, employees, if you get a reputation as a good listener, you're gonna have fewer mistakes, but more importantly, your career is gonna to start to go up. So really pay attention to listening. It's one of those skills we're not really taught in school, but the one that touches our lives every day. The communication curve. Let me take you back. I am roughly 16 years old. Relatively new driver. I live in Columbus, Ohio. It's a nice spring day. Car windows are down, listening to some tunes. Driving down this kind of two-lane street that winds down a hill a little bit. Everything's good in the world. As I'm driving along, I see a car is starting to come up toward me. As that car is passing me, the driver of that car, an older gentleman, sticks his head out the window, and he yells at me. He goes, slow down! Now, keep in mind, I am a teenager. Teenagers sometimes are emotional, but I'm like, who does this guy think he is? I mean, why is he commenting on my driving? I wasn't even speeding. And perhaps more importantly, why are old people so mean? But, A moment later, as I'm going down that hill, I see the police officer with his radar gun aimed right at me. Here, I had been thinking (laughs) that this guy was making a comment about my driving, but instead he was trying to save me from getting a ticket. I had made an assumption based on an incomplete piece of information. I never saw the older gentleman again. Never could thank him. But I said to myself, I'm going to pay more attention. I'm going to make sure that I hear things before I start to jump in. Have any of you all ever had a member who's maybe a little grumpy? And maybe they usually come up to you with some sort of complaints. And you got to be like, oh, OK, yeah, sir. And maybe they catch you on a day where you're a little tired. And they say something like, the swimming pool. And you immediately become defensive. And later, you realize that they were going to say, the swimming pool looks great. And you jump to a conclusion that turned out it was totally wrong. So make sure you're taking in all the information. When we get busy, we start to jump into conversations. We start to cut people off. And often, we're making the wrong assumptions. It leads to mistakes and misunderstandings. Sometimes we're missing information. A couple years ago, I'm getting ready to do a morning presentation. It's close to my home, so I'm able to drive over. Dressed up, walk on out, and then I see my car. I have a flat tire. That car is going to go nowhere. Now, it's a hot July day. I'm dressed up, so I know well I can change the tire. If I do so, I'm gonna get sweaty and dirty, so I don't wanna do that. Then I remember, oh, I have AAA coverage. So I can call AAA, and they can send a guy in a big truck who'll come change the tire for me. Perfect, so I call them, they say, yeah, we'll get a guy in a big truck, he's gonna arrive in about five, 10 minutes. Perfect, and then I'm, I'm just standing there, And the part of my mind that's all about performance and productivity starts to think and I'm like, okay, how can I speed up this process? Get on the road that much faster. And I say, okay, you got a beach towel here. So if you were to take the beach towel, you can carefully remove the spare tire, not get dirty. And then you can put the towel by the side of the car. Perfect. Save the guy 30 seconds. Awesome. And then I see the car jack. Have you ever seen the car jacks that automobile companies give us? It's kind of like the Da Vinci Code, where you got these three pieces of metal that, if you're lucky, fit together in such a way that maybe you can crank it and your car will go up. But that's the car jack. So I take it out and I put it by the side of the car as well. A moment later, the big truck arrives. As a four-year-old, I used to play with these trucks. And I gotta tell you, it's this big truck, and this big guy gets out of the big truck. And I find myself wanting to impress the big truck guy. So I say, hi, um, I I got the tire out for you already. He's like, oh, hey, thank you very much, sir. I appreciate that, awesome. And I'm like, and? I got the jack out for you, too. And he's like, oh. And he looks up and he kind of gives me that apologetic smile. And he's like, "Uh, that's okay, sir, I, I brought my own. The big truck guy reaches back into that big truck. He pulls out this big jack. He puts it on the ground. He slides it under my car. He pumps a handle about three times. And my car is up in the air. It was at that moment that I realized that I did not know Jack about carjacks because I had thought they were all the same, but they weren't. There was a world of difference between the three pieces of metal that I had and the carjack that he had, professional grade. So don't be afraid if you don't know something because sometimes we all have a gap in our knowledge, a blind spot, and when we're in a leadership role, People are always coming to us and we sometimes feel like we have to be the fountain of answers or we're constantly giving out answers, even if we're not experts in the issue. So when I work with teams, I make sure if someone brings me a problem, they also have to bring a couple of solutions to me as well. You don't have to do all the thinking, all the heavy lifting. It's okay to look up more information. It's okay to ask for help. At this point, I want to give you guys a minute because we've covered a lot. Take a couple minutes. Turn to the person next to you. It's okay if you've got a group of three. Talk about is there a takeaway that you've had so far that could be useful. I'll give you a minute to do that, and then we'll switch to the other person. Then we'll do a quick debrief, debrief there might be a little prize. Go. So perhaps for an exciting prize, would anyone like to share a takeaway that they've found useful so far? Just shout it out. Barriers, very good. Anyone else? Sir. Like the fact that you put it into a different perspective of the members working to be with us. Sure. they their entire sure. life being successful, but the thing that when they're end goals, will we provide? You know, that's a great point, and I'll tell you what, I'm gonna get you two a book, because you jumped in. One thing that I remember from my career in news was that sometimes you would cover the same story time and time again. Like I did the Thanksgiving shopping story 13 years in a row. And was it you, sir? Thank you very much. Thank you, you, Brian. So I did that story. We'll see if I can walk backwards. This is kind of exciting. So I did that story every time. And after a while, it becomes a little dull. It's not as engaging, it's not as exciting. But to someone, they're hearing that story for the first time. And it's important to honor them in that story when it's their first time, even if I've done it a lot of times. So it's much the same for your members. For someone, this is the first time they've ever come to a club like this, or this is the thing they've dreamed about for all these years. Any other takeaways that you guys had? Yes, sir? Listen and get up before you react. Ooh, I like that one. Read about that. My uh, Fitbit's getting a good workout this morning. I talk with my hands a lot, and sometimes that fools the Fitbit into thinking I've done like 12 miles on stage or something like that. Well, thank you very much. Those were great takeaways and I think it just shows, it helps me to understand what you are getting out of this session and things I can continue to develop because I know you're facing a lot of daily challenges because you're doing a lot. So, let's talk about top performers. These are the people who you rely on. They are the ones who you know, if you give them something to do, they are going to be able to accomplish it, it gets done. The challenge here is that often our top performers, we kind of tend to load them up a lot because when something new happens, they're our go-to person. That can lead to a problem that I call people are not balloons. Now, it just so happens the prop budget was unlimited. (laughs) So I have a balloon. Stand by. This represents most people's day. They got a certain amount of stuff they got to do. Some challenges might come up, but they feel pretty confident that, yeah, I got it. I can get this done. But then, oh, uh, Ken, would you mind doing one more thing? And it's like, okay, Day yeah. gets a little bit busier. And then it's like, oh, Ken, could you be on this committee? Because we think you'd be really good at it. And, and oh, could you show the vendor around? Over time, this balloon starts to get a little bigger. And you start to say, "Okay, um, I'll I'll just stay late. I'll come in early. I'll figure it out somehow. And then the challenges keep coming. And one more thing and one more thing. And then before long, you get to the point where not going to do it. I don't like loud noises. But basically, two things are going to happen. Because when that one more thing happens, the balloon may pop. So in our case, what happens is the employee says, I've had it, I'm out of here, take this job and shove it, I'm done. You lose a top performer. How easy is it to, to replace a top performer? It's not. The other scenario that happens is the employee tries to get it all done. I mean They are doing everything they can, but they can't. And over time, <laughs> their productivity falls. They can't get everything done to the level that you expect. They become demoralized, the quality of work goes down. So you don't want to see that happen. So how do do you prevent that situation? Well, there really has to be good two-way communication between the employee and the supervisor. And it has to be honest communication, because sometimes one doesn't understand what the other one does. Sometimes people who are in the leadership roles, they know the job that someone does, but they don't know all the particulars. It's kind of like Harry Potter magic, where somehow they're able to magically get things done, but they may not know how long things take. So if the employee feels like, ooh, I am legitimately getting overwhelmed, I don't know how I'm gonna get this all done, they shouldn't be suffering in silence. They should be telling their supervisor, hey, I'm happy to do this, but, There could be problems. This gives the employer, the the boss, the opportunity to say, okay, tell you what, this report, don't worry about it this month. Let's give this work to someone else. Your focus is on this task. That conversation, that valuable conversation, does not happen unless you've got good two-way communication between both parties. Top performers, performers are invaluable You want to keep them in your organization as long as you can. People, they are not balloons. I also want to talk to you about a very important value. It's trust. And trust can play a huge role in an organization. How much do you trust the people that you work with? I mean, do you really feel like They they got your back, they're right behind you. If they need their help, they're gonna be there with you. Or is there just maybe a little bit of doubt? Well, what if your ability to trust your coworkers, your colleagues, what if that was put up on stage in front of hundreds of people? That is the world of professional ballet. And I'm gonna demonstrate This is the dance demonstration section. I'm gonna demonstrate something that's called a pas de deux. That is a dance between two people. Typically, it is between a man and a woman. In these dances, there's usually a move that you see every time, which I'm gonna illustrate for you right now. So, we got the ballerina on one side of the stage and she races across, she launches herself up in the air, she glides through the air gracefully, and then she falls into her partner's waiting arms. He catches her, brings her down, and they continue dancing. (laughs) Now, this move does not happen without trust. Because as I learned, for the ballerina, she has to be 100% focused on the jump. She has to get as high as she can, as gracefully as she can. What can't she be thinking about? The landing. She can't be worried about Is her partner gonna catch her? Is she gonna get hurt? Is she gonna look silly? She can't think about any of that stuff. 100% focused on the jump, otherwise the move does not work. Now, it's much the same for her partner. He has to be 100% focused on that catch, that moment. He can't be thinking about, is she gonna jump that well? He can't be texting someone. He's got to be ready in that moment, because that split second, a lot can happen. For instance, we were performing in Chicago in July, hot summer day. Over time, the dancers, their costumes get slick with perspiration, harder to catch someone. But that ballerina, that dancer, he's got to figure it out and get her. Hey, yes, we will. Two dancers, united in a dance of trust. So I want to ask you all, do you have that level of trust in your organization? When you look around, do you feel like, yeah, they got my back. Yeah, they're going to be able to help me. I don't have to ask if you're going to be there when I ask for something. It's going to be there. When you have that level of trust, your organization becomes that much more effective and that much more productive. All right, we got some breaking news. Word has just come in. We have an unexpected challenge that has come up. Ladies and gentlemen, you will be taking part in the paper hat exercise. This is an opportunity for you to experience an unexpected challenge. Because it's easy to talk about having a challenge, but it's a different story when you have to experience it. So on your tables, you may have noticed these rolls of paper. Most of them are enough paper for two people. You are to make, over the next 10 minutes, a paper hat. You may design it in any way that you want. You can make it as big as you want. If you want to collaborate with others, You can do that as well. The idea is, I want to see how you respond to an unexpected challenge. We will debrief in just a few minutes. Ready? Go. Not long ago, we did this at a conference where there were several meetings happening in the same place. The people next door were thinking, what the heck is going on there? Oh, I got to get yours. You're looking good. But you you match. Awesome <laughs> May not be aerodynamic, but it looks very good. Roughly, let's say five more minutes. Like what I'm seeing in the back of the room? Very focused? Well, oh, I like yours. Yeah. There we go. Second career, maybe. So we are doing the paper hat exercise. You can see everyone is having fun. We're creating things and we're seeing how we react to an unexpected challenge. It's kind of fun. All right. So if you could start to come back to me, I got to tell you, from my perspective, this looks really cool. <laughs> so we had an unexpected challenge that came up. You, probably weren't too prepared for it, and look what you came up with in a very short amount of time. I mean, what have you learned? Maybe shout out if there's a takeaway or two. Yeah, just do it. And was an unexpected challenge like the worst thing in the world that could have happened? I would say no because sometimes you're not gonna be able to control what happens next, but you've already got the skills to do it. I mean, look out at yourselves, the variety of hats that we had. If I had given you instructions, I could have told you step one, step two, we wouldn't have gotten this because each and every one of you has your own set of skills. So I urge you, wear your hat. We got a couple more things to hand out, and then we're gonna get towards the big finish, and we're gonna get you out of here right at 10.30. But we gotta give out a couple of awards, because I think you guys have done a pretty good job. So looking through the room, what are, ooh, I see your hat back there. Come on up, I I gotta give you a little prize. And other folks, yeah, look at this. Oh my gosh. Wow. Hey, I'm going to take your picture right here. And what is your your Marjorie. 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 Fantastic. Oh, okay. You. So, since this is the hat round, we're taking it up a notch. I am not just giving her a book. All right. I'm giving her a bookmark. Only my bookmarks are edible. Thank this you. is some chocolate. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. Yeah. Appreciate your creativity. And any other folks out there, I can see a little bit, but anyone else who, the hat just seems to transcend everything else, we can get them up here? That's okay if you don't. We're all winners in this process, perfect. So I think you had a chance to see how you would react to an unexpected change and how really it isn't necessarily the end of the world. That you were able to come up with a creative solution on your own that maybe you didn't even know that you had in you. So remember that lesson the next time that you find yourself in a challenging situation. We debriefed, we've done that. Okay, probably we have room for about two more stories. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna skip one of the stories and I'll send that later to Beth as a video. And I'll give you the links to it, and you won't have to enter in your email or anything funky or enter text in anything, because I want to make sure you have the information, but I also want to make sure we are respecting your time. So I'm trying to decide if I should tell you the story about Janet the Janitor or how you can sneeze-proof your organization. You guys don't know the story, so it makes it a little hard to decide. Let's do sneeze-proof. So, not long ago I had a presentation at a beautiful resort. As soon as I walked in, you have that scented air that hits you, and you you start to relax a little bit, and you drink some of the flavored fruit water, and you're feeling good, and then I walk up to the check-in desk, and I got to tell you, everyone's uniform is very pressed. Their posture is good. It's almost like there's someone out of, like, Downton Abbey or something like that or everything. Yes. So I walk up to the, the front desk, the clerk there. He's like a you know, the ultimate butler. He's like, ah, Mr. Ockel, so nice to see you here today. Thanks so much for coming. We have your rooms ready. We have this amenity for you, that one. Everything is going fine. And then the unexpected happens. And here's your room key, Mr. Ockel. Now, as someone, as a speaker, I have to stay healthy. Otherwise, it's hard to make money if I can't speak. So I'm a bit of a germaphobe. So while I take the key, as soon as I get back up to my room, I am scrubbing down in the sink like I'm getting ready for surgery because I, I can't get sick. I can't get germs. Unfortunately, I didn't. But I realized in this organization, they hadn't thought about what happens if a front desk person sneezes while a customer is there. So how do you sneeze-proof your organization? Well, you need to think through situations that could happen. It's a great team brainstorming activity where you get people together and say, "Okay, what would happen in this scenario? So let's say in the sneezing scenario, maybe you have on the table big things a hand sanitizer. So that if someone sneezes, and we all are going to sneeze at some point in time, it's going to happen. The person steps back. Sneezes, gets a certain amount of hand sanitizer, makes a big show of it, and then hands the key to the guest. So that way, it's like they're saying, I respect you, I'm honoring you, and we've thought of this. So try to think ahead of problems that could happen. It's a great way to make sure they don't happen. For instance, we got a PowerPoint here. But let's say it goes out. This is a different presentation than I give every time I customize it for the audience. So I have here my set list. So just in case the PowerPoint goes out, I've got a set list that can tell me where to go. May never need it, but I have it. Same thing goes with when I did weather. The weather maps are basically helping me tell the story. They're run through a computer. Computers sometimes crash. And every once in a while, you'll see a weather segment where the computer has crashed and the weather person has no idea what to say. So I always made sure that I had a cheat sheet right there. As a speaker, I'm always thinking about things as well. This room its relatively easy for me to know where the exits are in case the fire alarm goes off. I can direct people to the exits. I also talk to the staff here in case someone were to have some sort of heart difficulty. Are there defibrillators here? Yes, I can direct people to that help. I've thought ahead and try to make sure that I know anything that could happen. Get with your teams and try to think ahead. Even in Florida, hey, every once in a blue moon, we might have some frost, we might have some snow. You prepared for that, what will you do? The idea is that by the time that thing happens, you are ready for it, you're prepared, and we're gonna make sure that everything turns out well. So, we are approaching our final story And I also have a request, you can do this at the end when I'm done, but if you would not mind, if there's a roll of tape by you, and you don't have to do this right now, wait till the end. If you could pass it to the aisles, I take the rolls of tape and I donate them to a women's shelter that is near where I live. The kids there are often really bored. The shelters don't have a lot of money for art supplies, so I'm going to give these to a shelter to help out the kids. So if you don't mind doing that, that'll make it easy for me to collect. I'll pass them on. And hopefully, from this meeting, it will bring some joy to some people who may be going through a dark time. So we have one final story left. So a police officer once asked me a question that I never thought I'd hear. He goes, you want to get attacked by a killer? Now, killer, I should let you know, is a police dog. My photographer and I, we have just done a story about the police dog and how the officer works together and how they could sniff out drugs and bombs. They could do all this cool work together. So it's been a fun day. I look over at my photographer for some guidance. He's kind of giving me that silent, no, no, no. I look over at the dog. The dog is kind of like, ah, yeah, come on, do it, do it, say yes. So this voice kind of comes out of me that says, yes. Next thing I know, I am putting on a padded suit. So there's something you should know. When you are wearing a padded suit, it's supposed to protect you from the dog's bite. More on that later. but. It's hard to move around. You're kind of like a a Michelin man or the sumo wrestler. Hard to move around. But eventually, I'm there. And the officer, he gives me some very detailed instructions. He goes, run. I'm like, you want me to run? He goes, I want you to run. Killer will do the rest. So I start to run, and then I hear the officer say something that sounds a lot like, get him." There's this blur and a sonic boom, and all of a sudden, killer launches himself in the air, grabs my arm, and I go down. (laughs) Now, it was at that moment that I realized that when you are wearing a padded suit and you're pulled down by a police dog, it is really hard to get back up. But eventually, oh! I get back up and oh my gosh, my heart is racing, but oh, I'm actually, uh, I'm feeling okay. You know, I, I tried something new, I did something different and okay, I'm all right. The officer, he can see that I'm having a good time. So he asked me a second question. You want to do something else? Again, I look over and my photographer, he's like, stop while you're ahead i look over at the dog the dog's like "Ah, come on come on let's keep going keep going this time with a little more confidence i say yes all right the officer says this is what we're going to do i'm going to stand in front of you Killer's going to be right by my side i want you to punch me i'm like You want me to punch you? I want you to punch me. Killer will do the rest. (sighs) So across from the officer, I pull back my arm and I am getting ready to throw the punch of the millennium. But just as my arm starts to go forward, Killer launches himself off the ground, grabs my arm and I go down. The person who got up was different from the one who went down. Now, the next day, my arm, big bruise. Even through the padded suit, killer's jaw is that strong. But you know what? The biggest mark was left up here. Because I had done something different. I had gotten outside of my comfort zone, and I had grown from the experience. And that got me to thinking, how many times in our lives are we wearing the equivalent of a padded suit, and yet we don't take that chance to grow, to learn, to do something different? So as I leave you today, and you go back to your clubs, I urge you to take that chance, take that risk, and make that change. I'm Ken Ockel. Take care. Thanks for listening. This has been Education Elevated on the FLCMA Podcast Network. Download other episodes on a myriad of different topics for anyone in your club or organization regardless of their job title or description. We'll see you next time.